We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. To a Tuesday edition of the Roadwire NBA podcast, Nick Whalen back with Alex Barutha. Uh, Alex, the NBA is off today. Uh, we have no games in observance uh, of the midterm elections. Of course, all 30 teams were in action on Monday night. That made for a very busy night uh, for us over at Roadwire. We had all those games tipping off uh, 15 minutes apart, which was kind of nice. I-, I know you were off yesterday. Uh, good day to be off, that's for sure. Uh, but it, it wasn't, you know, this crazy rush of news that you would expect necessarily on a 15 game night. I, I think the NBA needs to consider this as more of a permanent thing, staggering these games by 15 minutes instead of having, you know, five games tip off at six, three games tip off at 630. Then the late window, like it, it was kind of nice to just have the, a rolling basis of games that are all kind of developing at different paces. It makes a lot of sense, especially, you know, they redid the NBA app. Uh, League Pass has has been great this year. I've been using it on my phone. Sure has. I mean, when you have those games 15 minutes apart, uh, it basically allows you to watch the crunch time of every game. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like I can go from crunch time on this game to this game to this game for like basically an hour straight. Um, It's just it's such a good way to watch basketball and then you can catch up with the, with the stuff too. So I, I really hope they consider it because mm-hmm. honestly, what did, like, I know maybe it's not ideal for television in general. Um, but I don't know, you know, those places just have to get like an extra 15 minutes of content to push it up to that, that yeah. half hour slot, which isn't too hard for them. Well, first of all, you're right about league pass. I never thought we would see the day that we would be praising league pass unprompted. It's on awesome. this podcast, which was it was the thorn in our side and the side of many an NBA fan for like the last decade. It's great now. It's fantastic. I love like they've kind of added like an Instagram story elements to the yeah. top where you could just kind of you could scroll through. You can see the major plays uh, from that game. It, it's perfect. Uh, really something that they should have done so long ago. But, <laughs> right. um, you know, the, my one complaint, I guess, with the normal timing of games is like there's so many nights where. It's like, all right, uh, the game I'm watching is at halftime. Let me jump to another game. It's like, well, three other games also have less than one minute left in the mm-hmm. second quarter. Like last night, it just felt like at no time were you ever watching like in- inconsequential basketball. There was always some sort of game that you could feel good about tuning into. So hopefully the NBA uh, looks into that a, a little bit more. Uh, anyway, we we want to jump around as we normally do midweek on this pod. Um, you know, at some point, maybe we'll we'll do a you know, a pod just focusing on, on all 15 Eastern Conference teams and all 15 Western Conference teams. We'll kind of do a reset, uh, talk about where everybody is fantasy-wise. But uh, we're just going to jump through, hit some storylines, talk about some of the players that that have been catching our eye. And, uh, you know, I, I think we want to talk about SGA first and foremost. And sure. I I stayed away from SGA. I, I've been burned too many times. I, I still feel like there's a chance where we're going to get burned at some point later this year. Uh, but, you know, I don't think the tanking has been nearly... Uh, as, as severe as the NBA or I thought it would be early on. I mean, you got teams like OKC sitting at a, res- a very respectable 
four and six. Uh, you know, the Utah Jazz, obviously at the top of the West. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. But SGA, man, I mean, what a start. 97% at the free throw line through nine games. This is a guy who has shot either 80 or 81%. Uh, all other years of his career. We'll see if that's sustainable. He's not even shooting the three well at all. His three-point volume is way down. So his field goal percentage is fantastic. The defensive numbers are fantastic. Uh, you know, Depending on, on what settings you're using, he's either the number one or number two overall fantasy player uh, through the first two and a half weeks of the season. I mean, he, he's taken a level up. SGA has been one of my favorite kind of underrated slash, like the you know, casual NBA fan may not know who SGA is really. Um, probably heard the name, but hasn't probably watched a ton of Thunder basketball lately. But yeah, 24 years old already has this, you know, was was playing good the past two years. But this year, yeah, completely on a different level. Uh, amazing two-way player as well. You mentioned, you know, the offensive stuff, but also averaging 2.1 steals, one and a half blocks uh, through nine games. And he's got a history of basically, you know, of being a great defender, a great two-way player. And we were talking a little bit before the pod. It's like, I understand why there might be some concern or some wonder about how good really is SGA. And, you know, you put him in this environment where he's been the number one option on this OKC team for a few years. It's hard to evaluate him as a player, but I just don't think there's been, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of go back and look, you know, how many guys guards have been the best player on their team for I don't know three years offensively and defensively and have done so efficiently with the other team's defense completely focusing in on them and another thing about SGA's game too he barely shoots the three he's taking two and a half threes a game this year and yet opponents still just cannot guard him um just taking all of his shots from the mid-range he's he's gotten a lot of I think savvy veteran moves uh, probably developed by, again, being the target of the defense all the time. And he's full of pump fakes, up and unders, crazy dribble moves, hook shots, floaters. Um, he he just is kind of dominating the mid-range right now. Yeah, the the lack of three-point attempts to me is really interesting. Um, you know, it's, it's an area where he's been up and down the last few years. And, you know, it, it could just be a small sample thing. And, and maybe the looks just aren't there and that number will rise as the season goes along, but I mean, he's taking like half of the, the amount of threes that he was taking last year. I mean, 2.6 per game uh, for a number one option playing 36 minutes per game in the modern NBA is extremely low. Uh, I mean, he's taking 19 two pointers per game. Like he's not even getting to the line right. all that much, you know, kind of right at his, his normal rate. Um, you, know, you would think that would be a bigger factor, but yeah, he's, he's he has a really unique game. Um, you know, kind of going in the opposite direction uh, of the way that uh, most guards, you know, coming into the league now are, are following more of the, uh, high volume, you know, Damian Lillard, not not quite Stephen Curry uh, type of archetype. But I don't I don't know if we're ever going to see that again. But uh, you know, that's part of the deal. I mean, if you're a highly regarded young guard, you're shooting a lot of threes. That's just how the NBA works. So to see him going in the opposite direction is pretty wild. You asked me before the pod, Alex. Like, let's say the Thunder. You know, this has been thrown out there. It feels like every year. I, I don't know how seriously, but uh, SGA is only 24. But in Thunder years, you know, that that's like that's the equivalent of like 34. You know, they're 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 still building for the future. And I think Chet Holmgren not being able to play this year maybe moves their timeline back uh, a little bit more. You know, if, if you were to go onto the market, uh, you know, what kind of offers uh, would we be looking at for SGA? I, I think he's a difficult player to value because the numbers are great, but he's just been in a really unique basketball situation for going on three seasons now. Yeah, I think his value, I mean, this is, you know, we didn't prepare a ton for the trade value discussion, but I feel like he has to be top 20 given his age and his pedigree. If you're adding, if you're a team looking to contend, which is who I assume would be adding SGA at this point, I think you add him assuming probably he's your number two guy. Um, he might be kind of overqualified as a number three. It's also hard for this sort of, point guard shooting guard to be a number three uh in, in team context because what what team has a number one and a number two that's like a center and a wing um but yeah i'm not sure because you you if you're the thunder you need young players and picks back but these picks the picks aren't going to be that good right because you're just sending you're sending them to a contender so it has to be basically a contender with a wealth of young assets um and it's I it's hard to identify that team other than I mean, I think what Golden State has the best package of young players available. 
However, Wiseman can't even get on the court. Kaminga barely plays. It's just, you know, I feel like the stock on those guys has gotten so low, but yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, Golden State's interesting. I mean, they they always feel like the team, they have the Wiggins contract that they could throw in for money purposes. Um, I mean, for certain teams, Draymond maybe is attractive. Probably not a team like OKC. Uh, it, it's, yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, the, the Kaminga, Moody, Wiseman values feel like they're all on the way down, but they're also in a tough spot because they haven't really unleashed any of those guys because they're also trying to win titles and they have a really deep roster. So I, I still think there's a decent amount uh, of value on those three young guys specifically, but... I mean, James Wiseman didn't even play last night against the Kings. That was, that was a, a straight-up DNPCD, uh, which to me is, is an indication that maybe they think he's part of the reason uh, for their early season struggles. They did get that win uh, in controversial fashion last night. But uh, nonetheless, yeah, it, it, it's I, I think it's SGA is one of those guys that every team would make a call on. Uh, but the Thunder are also, you know, are, do they want more picks at this point? Like, is there a point where you have too many picks? I, I don't yeah, I don't really know what they'd be looking for because you you... We're talking about a 24-year-old guy, so you can only get so much younger. You know, we kind of joke about the Thunder wanting to be as young as possible, and and that is the point. But, um, you know, what are you going to trade SGA for someone who's 22 just just for that two-year gap? I, to me, it's not really right. worth it. I, I don't really see it happening. Yeah, I mean, I was I'm I'm kind of looking through the list of teams right now, and if you're Toronto, would you think about Scotty Barnes or is he off the table? Hmm. To me, off the table, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if SGA is the greatest fit in Toronto. I mean, he is Canadian. There is that. I understand, but that's like you already have Van Vliet, you already have Trent. Siakam handles the ball. Um, I mean, Scotty Barnes himself handles the ball. I, I think they're perfectly fine with Barnes. To me, that would be a both teams say no situation. Yeah, I guess it depends if they were looking to move Van Vliet or they think Van Vliet Mm -hmm. might get exposed as a guard in the in the playoffs a little bit, but it would be kind of bizarre to have him, Trent and SGA. Um, Yeah. You know, and again, we're talking about like SGA is 24. I don't know if he just turned, he's like middle of 24. Scotty Barnes is 21. It's not like Barnes is some 19 year old, you know, it's not like the magic. (laughs) I don't know. It's not like the Barnes are going to give up like Bancaro or, um, you know, if you're the Kings, Keegan Murray, I don't know, but then you're not even really contending. I mean, you have Fox, SGA, yeah. Sabonis. Like that's a really good team, but I think maybe. as we talk ourselves through it, it just doesn't really make sense. And like the big, you know, the, the big specter that always sparks these conversations when you're talking about star young players is, well, do they want to pay him? You know, it's like it, it's all well and good when he's on a rookie deal, but they already gave him the extension. So you know, unless it's ownership just like not wanting to literally pay the money, I, I don't see. You know, it's not like a, we need to trade him now. Otherwise, we're going to have to give him the extension. They already did that. So to me, it's like, yeah, I, I guess it, it, unless you're just playing like the NBA Live 2006 game of just like constantly trading players around, trying to level up your team, right. I don't I don't really think it, it makes a lot of sense. But nonetheless, SGA uh, off to a hot start. I think the biggest question, though, is if you're an SGA owner, are you looking to sell high? Because you're worried that come the All-Star break, uh, we're going to be going down that same road again. Well... He's so he's ranked as high as 27th before that was last year per game. And I think, I mean, I think he has improved a lot. You know, I think it's possible that he's like, he could finish as a top 10, like maybe he's ninth or 10th. Um, but I think if you can get a guaranteed top 15 player for him, I think you just have to do it. You know, if someone basically offers you, uh oh man, I don't know about like Lillard. Would you do Damian Lillard for SGA? If you had, if you had SGA, would you trade him for Lillard right now? Um, man, that's a good question. I I would have a hard time, especially you know with Lillard coming off of the calf injury, and it doesn't look like it's anything serious. He looked great last night. Um, but he also he's also thirty at this point, right? Maybe even thirty one. I'd have to double check that. Actually. 32. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, in that case, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I would wait it out and I would try to make that deal in like a month or two months. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm going to milk this SGA situation as long as I can. I, I think the all-star break is when you start to get worried. Um, you know, historically the thunder have played those guys, uh, and played a big minutes, you know, all the way up until like the 55, 60 game mark. And, if there's one thing we could say in the Thunder's defense, like these guys have had real injuries. Um, and I, I think they have taken advantage of those injuries to then prolong the the return time. But uh, I, I don't I don't necessarily think that they've like 
just pulled them from the lineup at full health. Like the last couple of years, you know, Giddy had the injury last year, same with SGA. And could they have come back for the last maybe 10 to 15 games of the year? Yeah, probably. Uh, but at that point, you know, I think the organizational goal is what it is. So we'll see. I mean, if he stays healthy, maybe, maybe he bucks the trend and, and you regret making that trade. But I, I think, you know, come like January 1st, I would absolutely, I would love to flip SGA for, for Damian Lillard. Yeah, maybe you wait as long as possible. Some of it too also depends on when your league ends. If yes. your if your league ends like middle of March or end of March instead of April, I think it's way safer to hold SGA. The NBA is back. On behalf of Vivid Seats, let's get one thing clear. Nothing beats seeing your favorite team beat every other team live and in person to the sound of thousands of screaming fans. Vivid Seats believes that real fans deserve to be rewarded and that you deserve a ticketing platform that not only makes it easy to find great deals, but also rewards you all season long. Vivid Seats is the only ticketing company where you can earn rewards with every purchase. No one else has that. They even have a 100% buyer guarantee that your ticket will be as legit as your love for the game. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today and use our promo code ROTOWIRE for $10 off your first purchase of at least $100. Again, that promo code is ROTOWIRE, R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E, for $10 off your first $100 ticket purchase. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Let's talk Luka Doncic, by the way. I mean, not uh, not a whole lot to say other than he's off to a monster start. I, I, I think this is really the first time in his career that it feels like He's off to a good start relative to expectations. The last few years, he's either been a little banged up. He showed up out of shape. Um, I think playing for Slovenia this summer, by default, kept him in shape. And this is the Luka that the Mavs have wanted for a really long time. And I I think this roster is overall worse than last year. But I also think Luka is at that point in his career, like a lot of the, you know, all-time great players are, where it doesn't really matter. As long as the pieces somewhat fit around him, he's going to be able to get that team close to 50 wins. And I mean, what a start, man. Is this what nine straight games? I think with at least 30 points to begin the season, uh, longest streak since Wilt Chamberlain. I actually looked this up the other day because I, I was editing one of our notes that was a little ambiguous on this and completely forgot that at one point in 2018, 19, James Harden had 32, 30 point games in a row, not to begin the year, but 32 in a row. Like how, how was that not a bigger deal? <laughs> Yeah, that feels like it's it a bigger deal. I think I think part of I think part of the problem is that Harden, you know, people have this opinion on Harden that all of those points are just like yeah. points through fouling, um, which I understand, I mean, you know, aesthetically. He averaged thirty six a game, dude. I mean, that was well, that was an insane no, I, year. I, I I completely agree with you. He's what Harden does or has done in the past was was amazing and deserves. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, no question. Um, one of the best scorers of all time. As far as as far as Doncic goes. It's, I mean, it's amazing how much he's carrying this team. It's not anything he necessarily hasn't done in the past, right? Because his teams have never been that good. Um, but I, you know, we've been seeing ridiculous things out of Luka Doncic since he joined the NBA. But when I watch him this year, and I think I've watched more uh, like full Luka Doncic games than I have in the past, at least at this point in the year. I feel like I, I'm seeing stuff out of him that he's doing that I just had never, almost never seen anybody else do in the NBA. Or I have seen them do it, but it's not like one player. You know what I mean? Like the up and under yeah. is like, oh, some guys have that. The certain dribble moves, some guys have that. Uh, the the ability to draw fouls, some guys have that. He has all of that. And he's using it every single game. And it, it truly feels like there is, like the defense is completely at his mercy. Um I, I true I I don't know how you stop him. He's he's out of control right now. The only the only knock on him at the moment, he's not hitting his threes. He's 30% on his eight threes a game. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he's never really been that good of a three-point shooter. He takes a lot of really tough looks. Yeah, it feels like he always gets off to these slow starts from three. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at last season, you know, through his first 20 games, he was hanging around like 32% from deep. Uh by the end of the year, he always finds a way to, to kind of land in the 35% range, but first couple of years in the league, he was a low 30% shooter. He's one of those guys. I feel like LeBron was kind of like this. A lot of his career too, where you know, when he's hot, you absolutely cannot let him shoot, but you're always, you're always like surprised that the the percentage is a few ticks lower 
than you'd expect. And, and like you said, he's sub 30 so far. Um, free throws too. I mean, he's leaving, he's leaving like two to four points on the board most nights, uh, shooting 78% at the line, which for him is a career high, but you know, I mean, a lot of the elite scores are, are 85 plus. So, you know, that that's always going to be somewhat of a knock on his fantasy value, especially when he's, he's taken 12 free throws yeah. per game uh, at this point, he was at seven and a half last year, but yeah, man, I mean, if you took, you took Luca early in fantasy drafts, that is clearly paid off uh, 36 points, eight and a half rebounds, eight and a half assists, almost two steals per game. That's been massive uh, for his fantasy value and the overall field goal percentage, much like SGA. I mean, he's taking so many threes that it's almost more impressive that he's, he's still shooting 52% from the field, despite shooting 29% from three. Guys have gotten so good the past couple of years at, you know, I mean, most teams allow the mid range now. And so if you're, if you're a guard who runs pick and roll and you know how to navigate into the mid range, that sort of 16 to 12 foot area, and you are adept at hitting floaters, you can just dominate that space. No one's covering you, you know, like the shots wide open every single time at like that 13 foot floater. No one, mm-hmm. almost nobody guards that. Um, so I think like him, SGA, you know, guys like Trey Young, Morant, even though Morant attacks the rim a little bit more, but Young especially also has that floater in his game. That's just, it's wide open every time, essentially. Um, it gets locked down in the playoffs a little bit, but that's different. And also another thing about Luka Doncic, career high usage rate this year and career, I mean, he's only 3.6 turnovers a game. And he's, his usage rate's like 45% yeah. right now. Absurd. Yeah, turn, he's turning it over almost one fewer time compared to last year, despite, you know, having his highest usage rate by a mile. Uh, yeah. He's been insane. Uh, Nikola Jokic playing very well, of course, hanging around. I think he's like, top, he's either the fifth or sixth ranked fantasy player. Uh, if you're looking at eight uh, or nine cat, I mean, he's, he has such a high floor, uh, really no concerns, but the, the ceiling hasn't quite been there uh, compared to last season. And it was picked it up a little bit at 26, 10 and eight with two steals and three blocks. As I just say that casually, uh, last night against the Spurs, but he had a few weird games. You know, he had that like nine point game against Portland early on. He's had some games where he's just not taking a ton of shots, took only nine shots in 36 minutes against OKC uh, last Thursday. Uh, so the scoring is way down for Jokic. The rebounds are down. Uh, he's playing about one fewer minute per game. The assists are up. However, the steals are back to where they need to be. The field goal percentage is up. Free throw percentage is up. So he's having a, a really strange year so far. And like Doncic, um, you know, he's also shooting really poorly from three and, and just not taking that many. He's, he's cut his three-point volume in half thus far. I mean, he's only shooting 24% uh, from beyond the arc. So that's a big reason, of course, for the downturn in scoring. And on top of that, you know, not having MPJ uh, and Jamal Murray last year probably probably goosed those scoring numbers a bit. But going from 27 to 21 points per game, that's a, that's a bigger drop-off than I would have expected. Yeah, he's taking 13 shots a game right now. Um you know, his usage rate last year was 32%. It's down to 27%. That's the lowest mm-hmm. since it's been since 2017, 18. And he was like, that was basically just when he emerged essentially as, as yep. Nikola Jokic. I think there's a couple, I mean, I do think the main factor is uh, Jamal Murray and, and Michael Porter Jr. Coming back. I think you and I, you and I were not alone saying that you should draft Nikola Jokic as the number one player in fantasy again, but we may have not weighed enough how passive he might be when those guys comes back, considering how much he loves to pass. I do feel like last year he had to force it a little bit. Um, And also he's dealing with that. I think it's a thumb injury, like a a right thumb injury or something that he's kind of been nursing since the season started. And he says it's not affecting him. I don't know. You know, maybe it it could be, he could just be saying that for the media. Uh, A typical Jokic being a diva in the media. Exactly. I, I just, you know, if you have him in fantasy, you're not getting screwed, right? You drafted him first, he's fifth, like not a big deal. Yeah. But I also don't, I would not expect him to become the number one player in fantasy again this year. Yeah, see, I, I think I could see it happening. But, you know, one thing that we're not mentioning is, you know, looking at like the metrics that we used on our site, for example, like not only was he the number one guy last year, he was the number one guy by a mile, you know, so yeah. you, it was a huge advantage to have him versus Kevin Durant or Joel Embiid or LeBron James or Stephen Curry or whatever other star you want to put out there. Like the gap between Jokic and the second best fantasy player was about as big as the second best fantasy player and like the ninth best fantasy player. So Mm -hmm. that's the big distinction is even if he, 
you know, like you said, it, it's, it, it's he's only going to fall so far. Like as long as he stays healthy, he's probably not going to finish the season outside of the top five, if not the top three. But you're no longer getting that just huge, huge advantage that you had last season. And I, I think you're right. Like watching the Nuggets, they've been on a, a few times already this year. He's like he's like going out of his way to be passive. It feels like, and I, I think that'll probably come around as the season goes along. I mean, it's it's almost to a fault. I, I think he's like too good of a a teammate where like he's clearly their best scorer. Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, those guys have been up and down so far. But I, I think he's making an effort to get them going. And obviously, you know, it's it's kind of easier for him to to take some possessions off after carrying such a heavy burden these last couple of years. But I think the Nuggets are still at their best when Jokic has that thirty percent usage rate. It doesn't really. I, I don't think it matters who's around him. Like you still want him handling the ball and, and making plays as much as possible. So um, yeah. yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't think he gets back to like 28 points per game, but I, I think the hope is that three pointer comes around and, you know, he's averaging closer to like 24, 11 and nine instead of 21, 10 and nine. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a possibility, but Denver, I mean, you know, you mentioned he's just, he's trying to get everybody involved and he's obviously an amazing passer. Denver is first right now in the NBA in f- both field goal percentage and three point percentage, hmm. and a lot of that is going to have it has to do with um, Aaron Gordon. <laughs> Eric, exactly. Um, and Jamal Murray hasn't been played that well until recently. Oh, no, not at all. Um, you know, it's looking good for them, even if if Jokic isn't. But yeah, you're you're right about he was he was the number one guy by a mile. You know, if you look at if you look at our rankings right now, we include the Z score, which is sort of like the the weight of how good a fantasy player actually is, not just like yep. one, two, three. And there are, there are clear tiers of fantasy players like SGA, Curry, and Doncic. That's like tier one right now. And yep. then it goes Durant, Jokic, Tatum, Donovan Mitchell. That's like tier two. And then there's this tier three of uh, DeJounte Murray, Halliburton, Harden, AD. And then they, things really start to flatten out after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's still he's still firmly in the in the second tier of fantasy players. Michael Porter, by the way, 49% from three through nine games. Uh, he's making 3.7 threes per game. Uh, he's taking 7.4. Uh, I mean, he's just been a complete monster. He has at least three made threes in, what, eight straight games at this point. So, I mean, he's almost single-handedly uh, made them the best shooting team in the league. And and like Murray, it still feels like they haven't quite taken the training wheels off of Michael Porter. I think both of those guys, you know, he's, he's not going to shoot 50% from three on the year, but I think on the whole, both of those guys are going to get better and better uh, as the season goes along. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.
I'm looking at our list of topics to hit here. Uh, is Dylan Windler the most injured player of all time? <laughs> uh, I, I think he is. I think he is. That is a uh, probably something that is unique to Rotowire that we, we've had to cover Dylan Windler since he entered the league. Yeah. Uh, don't need to expound on that. Uh, I see we have on the list. What do you do as a Kawhi owner? Well, I am a Kawhi owner. I, I made that choice. <laughs> I I don't know why. I I once again uh, floated out some really embarrassing trade offers this past week. Uh, one was immediately rebuffed. Uh, one has not been responded to yet. Uh, it expires later tonight. I'm not expecting it to be accepted. I don't know what you do, man. Like I, I'm not dropping him uh, because you know the league that I have him in is, I believe it is. It's up, we're up to 16 teams in stake, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So there's just nobody on the waiver wire. It's it's not like I'm dying to add someone. I'm just like ah, I just can't spare the roster spot. Like to me, it's not worth adding or it's not worth dropping him to add. You know, Jonathan Kaminga or Devonte Graham or Malik Monk. Uh, I, I'm trying to trade him. I, I don't even know. I, I don't even know what to offer. Like I, I, I will say I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm doing like some some high ball offers. I guess is that is that the opposite of, of low ball? Like I'm I'm trying to get some value that I know I won't get back, and I'm just hoping that there's somebody out there who is really high on Kawhi and and you know thinks he'll be fine at some point this season. But I don't know, man. Like he's just sitting in an IR spot for me at this point, and I'm doing everything I can to trade him. I, I don't. I, I just don't see this playing out like you know, in a month, all of a sudden he comes back and he's playing 80% of the games the rest of the way. This really seems like something that is not going to be solved anytime soon. No, it's, it's really concerning. I mean, this is, I, even if you were a pessimist, I think this is worse than you imagined, right? Yes. And I I would say I was a pessimist. I I think I, the only reason I got him is it was an auction league and I felt like it was a good price. So I was like, you know what, whatever, I wouldn't normally do this, but I'll take Kawhi. I didn't see it playing out like this. This is I can confirm that this is like the worst case. I, I think your only solution if you're someone who's rostering Kawhi, especially like a deep league like we're in where it just doesn't make sense for you to drop him at all. Um, because even on those games, even if he played 20 minutes a game for the rest of the season, when he did play, you could still start mm-hmm. him and be fine. I think you have to float him to a a, a manager who is like firmly in like the top three or four in your league that can basically take on the risk mm-hmm. that would just send you someone back who they don't necessarily need. You know, they send you back like the 75th ranked player, something like that. I don't even know yeah. who a good example is like, you know, Tim in our league has Jared Vanderbilt, right? Kawhi for Jared Vanderbilt. That sounds insane in theory, but it's I know. like, does, does Tim need Jared Vanderbilt? Uh, right. he, he might take on the risk of Kawhi. You need Vanderbilt more. So th- I think that's the type of trade you have to yep. approach Kawhi with. I'll tell you that, you know, one that I sent out in the last week was Kawhi for Julius Randall. And I was like, oh. wow, that's, I'm asking way too much, you know, and it, it's Julius Randall who finished with, like 80th. Yeah. But yeah. Right. And it's <laughs> like, I, I mean, like if the tables were turned, I wouldn't trade Julius Randall for Kawhi no. Leonard, you know, no, I, I think you're, you're completely right though. You need to trade him to someone who has the, the roster bandwidth to, put up with this. And, you know, I don't really, I, I definitely needed Kawhi. I didn't need him to be like a top 10 player, but I needed to get some games from him. I needed probably 60 games from him to feel good about my team. Um, I have Lillard in that league got off to a good start, of course, due to that. But uh, once he got injured, you know, started falling pretty quickly. Um, but I think you're right. I, I, I consider doing like a, a, my problem for your problem type of trade, you know, try to try to flip him for, you know, I probably have to attach an asset to Kawhi, but try to get like Jaron Jackson or somebody like that. Who's kind of, in similar limbo. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think week to week, I just keep having to decrease my expectations. Like at this point, I just want to get a low end starter for Kawhi Leonard. That, like just somebody that I could feel good about putting in my lineup. I I've, I've resigned to the fact that I'm not going to get somebody who's going to change my season. But right now, you know, due to the fact that I don't have Kawhi and especially when Lillard was hurt, like I'm starting guys that have no business being in a fantasy lineup. Yeah, I, my stake league team is trash. Also, I yeah. mean, I'm with you, but I like for yeah. example, me, me, you have, and James are all struggling. Yeah, I have Bojan Bogdanovic, and I would not trade him to you for Kawhi. I just wouldn't do that. Are, are you sure? Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure, actually. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna. I might. I might send you an offer just to make you <laughs> make you like make you look at that offer and say no. I will not give you Bojan Bogdanovic for Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> He's been popping off, all right? But the question is, where's the line? Like, what, you know, Jared Vanderbilt's a good one. It's like, would you trade, like, would you trade Josh Hart for Kawhi Leonard? Uh, No, Josh Hart is, uh, so Josh Hart's doing the same as Boyan right now. They're both yeah, at right. five to 90. Uh, it's tough. Man, man. I yeah, I'm, I'm down. I'm down really bad. Really, really are, bad on this Kawhi thing. 
you are you are down quite bad. Yeah. yeah, I'm hanging in there though. I got I got Gobert. I mean, he was on fire early in the year. Same with Lillard. Like if those guys, you know, if Gobert especially, you know, gets back to grabbing like 18 boards a game, I can at least hang around and and just hope that other people's stars get injured. That's really my only path out at this point. Um, all right, yeah, enough with Kawhi. It's super frustrating. Uh, you know, I have no one to blame but myself. It's not like anybody was was imploring uh, people to draft Kawhi Leonard, but him and Kyrie, I, I think both have been worst case scenarios so far for guys that we knew were risky. Uh, let's talk about Utah. I, I was just on VEASAN earlier today. They asked me uh, about the Utah Jazz, and it's getting to the point now where you know we're 12 games into the year, still early, but over you know well over 10% of the way through the season. I, I kind of thought you know through the first two weeks that this would be... The, every year, there's a team that we think is going to be really bad, and they start like 5-2, and two, and then a month later, they're like 4-15, and 15, and you're like, okay, yep, this is what we expected. The Jazz are nine and three at this point, and if I had to bet on it, I, I still think they they make a hard pivot at some point. I, I think this is a smart team and, and a team that knows ultimately where it stands. But where's the line for you? Like if they're if they're twenty and six, you know, at the twenty six game mark, do you do you just say you know whatever we're just going to go for it? We you know we're we have a, a much better team than we thought. Everything's going well. We can't pull the plug on this. The the West sucks like the west the west is not good so i think i think you have an opportunity as utah to be like maybe we could maybe we can make the playoffs and if you can make the playoffs uh decidedly i think you definitely consider going for it i mean maybe yeah you lose out of Wembenyama. i i don't know it's it's a really tough decision to make it's it's also an interesting thought experiment because i think they have been one of the very few teams in recent memory during the, I guess we'll call it the tanking era, to really cash out their assets at probably peak value, right? Um, mm-hmm. mo- I mean, you could argue they did it a year too late because they kind of had that disappointing year last year, but I don't think anybody thought too differently about Gobert or Mitchell to the point where their values were significantly lower after last year. So it kind of, you know, it's interesting to see, like, you have these two high-level all-star players, borderline all-NBA all guys. It's not working. You trade them for peak value. Can you actually just build a, a pretty good team? I, maybe it's a little bit of uh, happenstance that the team ends up meshing this well because I don't, you know, I don't think the Jazz, I don't think Danny Ainge was worried too much about fit when he was getting these players back for Mitchell and Gobert. I think he was just worried about am I getting the best trade back? Mm-hmm. But it's happened to work out. And um, I don't know about the pivot, but I think, I mean, I think Will Hardy might just also be a really good coach and is coaching a group of guys who all want to succeed for, for kind of like their own, maybe it's their own selfish reasons, but <laughs> guys who have sort of been like maligned by other teams, you know what I mean? Like it's sort of like, no, a misfit, no, you're right. You're right. It's like a misfit toys team of yeah. guys who, um, you know, I would look at every year and be like, you know what? I kind of like this guy. Like I've always been a marketing guy, you know, like oh, Ver- Vanderbilt probably should have played more minutes on the, you know, on the wolves. And yeah, you know, maybe we'll give Kelly Olenek 30 minutes a game and see what happens. And it's working. It's, it's bizarre. Yeah. Danny Ainge used to go into that locker room and, and really give these guys a, a piece of his mind. Like, <laughs> Who do you think you are winning all these games? You're nine and three. This is embarrassing. They have the yeah, best it, offense in the NBA. It's put the, it's put the jazz in a really uncomfortable spot that I think they're happy to be in, I guess, but it's like the, the, the risk reward with Wembenyama is going to be really interesting because again, this is not the NFL finishing with the worst record does not guarantee you anything. So you know, I, I think there's they're, they're almost like damned if they do, damned if they don't, because this team's not winning the title. So what is making the playoffs ultimately get you? It's a team that's made the playoffs seemingly every year for the last decade. It's not like a Timberwolves situation where just getting there is good enough. And, you know, it kind of energizes the fan base. Like, I, I think what would really energize the fan base is drafting Victor Wembanyama. But then again, you know, you could tank and end up with a third pick. And, you know, then, then you're going to look back and say, man, maybe we should have gone for the seven seed in the West. I, I don't know what they do. I really don't. I, I think, I think they'll probably internally hope that they just kind of naturally come back to their level because there's no reason that this team should be the best team in the Western conference. It, it you know, I, I don't know if it's a combination of, of guys just playing over their heads or uh, really good coaching or teams not taking them seriously. I don't know what it is, but I, I think we could definitively say the jazz are not winning the title. So I just, 
I, I'll be interested to see what route they go about to ensure that they're still in this mix for for Wembenyama. I, I just I don't see them taking that path. I, I really don't because it they're like I said, it'd be one thing if like we thought the Pelicans were going to be bad, and all of a sudden it's like whoa, Brandon Ingram and Zion and McCollum like this team is great. Like the Jazz just don't have that kind of ceiling to me. No. So I just like if you're going to gun for the playoffs, what's the end game other than feeling good about you know losing to the I don't know, losing to the Suns in round one in five games. Like, if that's the goal, great. I just, I think Utah's smarter than that. Yeah, I mean, how, even if you think these guys are better than they have been in the past, like, even if you think, like, oh, finally, these guys, you know, this guy I love is getting an opportunity to show who he is. Where are you going when Laurie Markin is your number one option? I think is a very fair question to ask, like, even long term. And I know, you know, Building a culture is important. You know, people always people romanticize those Brooklyn teams pre KD and Kyrie. Like, oh, remember Spencer Dinwiddie and Lavert and Jared Allen? Like, how much fun that was compared to what they have now. Mm-hmm. So, I think that maybe there's a little of that going on with Utah, where it's like, I, I mean, you know, obviously it's they're playing really well, but when I watch their games, the fans are like losing their minds. Like, they love it, um, and I think they're happy to see a team that's happy to play together and is young and interesting, but. This may also be your opportunity as Danny Ainge to sell high on every single one of these players and be like, look, like these guys can play meaningful roles on a good team. It's happening right now. So the problem is how many trades get done in November? Not that many. Yeah, you're right. That's one way to look at it is the silver lining. You know, you're, you're nine games down in the Wembenyama sweepstakes, but all these assets that you're widely expected to sell off at some point have dramatically improved their value. You know, like Jordan Clarkson has never been more valuable. Mike Conley. I I was writing Mike Conley off for dead at the end of last season. He looked awful for the final two months of last season. And here he is all of a sudden, you know, averaging seven and a half assists per game. You know, the, the, the field goal percentage is fine. He's shooting 42%, almost 43% from deep. Uh, Like suddenly I, I think maybe you're, you're getting a higher return on these players that you were probably going to trade anyway. Um, so yeah, it, it, eventually I, I think a month from now, the jazz are in the middle of the pack in the West. And I, I think it makes it a little more palatable at that point to, to, to maybe make some trades and, and kind of uh, go out of your way to make this roster worse. Essentially. It's a tough sell to fans right now. Like I, it's too early in the season, I think to, to pull the trigger on a trade like that. To me, they're a team that, um, I don't know what their record is going to be like at the deadline, but they might be one of those teams that wins like three games after the trade deadline. Certainly possible. Um, all right. We got time for one or two more topics. Um, Minnesota, I guess we could talk about another kind of strange press conference. I think that's now three uh, strange Anthony Edwards or Carl Towns press conferences on the season in like 10 games. Edwards more or less saying last night that the Timberwolves just are not a tough team. They get pushed around uh, himself included. I, I assume Carl Anthony Towns uh, is, is also uh, being victimized in this context, but it just, I, I was really high on Minnesota as a regular season team. Uh, James and I were, were both all over like Minnesota winning the Western conference in the regular season. I, I'm very skeptical of what they could be in the playoffs, but right now it just seems like a, a team of a bunch of talented guys who do not fit well and do not like playing with each other. Kind of the opposite of the jazz. I think so. And it's a, it's a little more, um, concerning because they're five and six and they've had the fourth easiest schedule in the NBA so far, uh, which is a, which is a bad sign. Um, Like they're, they're below the Washington wizards in simple rating for if you, if you put weight into that, uh, that's tough. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I know towns, you know, towns and Anthony Edwards were going back and forth. You know, Anthony Edwards only has like what one or two dunks this season. And then was c- complaining about, well, the lanes never open. Completely fair. Um, I think I think it's tough to um, – I think it's much tougher to have played in a spaced offense and then go to a non-spaced offense than the other way around. And I, it, you, you don't have to play five out, you know, to be a good basketball team. There are plenty of ba- M- NBA teams that have done really well uh, with a traditional center or a guy that cannot shoot threes in their lineup. That's not really the issue, but I think when you're someone like Edwards, who his sort of like his primary skill set is his athleticism. And he, I mean, he also loves to shoot the three, but he gets a lot of those threes off because guys are afraid of the drive. So 
Um, you know, if he feels like he's driving into like he beats his guy off the dribble and he just drives and Gobert is standing right there and he can't do anything. Um, I can understand how that'd be really frustrating and and create some issues. And obviously Towns just can't defend on the perimeter. So there's a lot of that going on too. Um and their bench sucks. Their bench is awful. So I mean that's that's also part of the problem, right? I mean, your your bench is um your bench is Kyle Anderson, Nas Reed, Torian Prince, Jalen Noel, McLaughlin. Like there's, there's just nobody. Anderson's playing awful. Yeah. They're just bleeding points. Yeah, I think the bench is something that we overlooked. You know, they they gave up some pieces to get Rudy Gobert. And I, I think everybody just focused on how great the starting five would be and assumed that they would dominate everybody and it wouldn't matter. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're relying on a lot of either completely unproven guys or cast-offs like Bryn Forbes and, and Austin Rivers, Torian Prince, guys like that. And if Towns, uh, Edwards, and Gobert are not playing at star to superstar levels, then yeah, you're going to struggle. And and that's what we've seen so far. I just, I, I think in a lot of ways, Anthony Edwards is probably looking at Donovan Mitchell and saying like, I understand. I I, I kind of get why you maybe <laughs> didn't love playing with this guy. I, I think that's, I think that's actually very possible. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what this leads to, you know, they're all, I mean, their starting five has an offensive rating of 97, which is 12th percentile. Their defense is fine, but average, you know, I think, I think the thought was, well, maybe offensively it's a little clunky, but you have Gobert back there and but now they're just, they're just kind of average. Uh, at least the starting five is so, yeah, I don't know if Edwards is going to ask out. I, I don't know what you do at that point. You know, I, it just, uh, I don't know what solves this because you're right. The press conferences have been weird. It'd be different if everybody was coming out and saying, well, you know, we're just having a hard time kind of getting used to, it's just a new offense for all of us. We got to get used to it. Coaches, you know, telling us we got to do this. I got to be better. It's not like that. They're kind of playing the blame game and that's, that's bad. Yeah. I think you have, you have two very like, moody and also willing to talk guys in towns and, and Edwards, which is not necessarily ideal. Um, and then, you know, Gobert was just kind of caught in the middle of this as, as like the new guy who I think everyone just assumed would save the defense. You know, it's just like whatever, whatever team Rudy Gobert's on historically has been a great defense. Um, and I, I don't know if that, if that means that like the other four guys just don't have to try on defense or, or, or what, but uh, yeah, it's been really clunky. And, you know, the first few games of the season, I, I was pretty encouraged. You know, it felt like everybody was getting theirs, statistically and yeah these last few have just been very my turn your turn you know there's the, the super cut going around of anthony edwards passing the ball and then just kind of walking to the sideline and letting towns do his thing and vice versa like they don't those guys don't fit well together at all um and, and this to me seems like a like a like a really good open gym team that doesn't really know how to win yet that is that is a great way to put it they might they might need a better coach that's part mm. of it too um, or someone kind of can't, you know, either Towns or Gobert yeah. kind of has to like just, or not Towns or Gobert. Towns or Edwards has to just gra- grab the reins of the team and just be like, I'm doing this. Um, I, I feel like it has to be Edwards at this point. Like, Towns has had like I, I seven, so Towns has had like seven years to do it and it yes. just hasn't happened. And I think that's a problem too. It's like he's been there seven years and this like 20 year old is like, it's gotta be my job. Right. It's, there's not much precedent. Like I, right now it feels like a, almost a perfectly even split. And like, you know, it, it, it's, it's almost like, like LeBron Wade first year in Miami, you know, and it's like LeBron, LeBron is diminishing his game to allow Dwayne Wade to be the equal, but it's like, it's better for the team. If, if it's just one guy ends up being the alpha, like I feel like both, both towns and Edwards are working against each other. Like one of them could play better than they are. And the other one can kind of remain the same, but because they're trying to split this duty, it's like you end up with, you know, like instead of one player being like an A plus and the other being a B plus, you have like two guys who are at a B plus, if that makes sense. Yeah. And they don't play a style that's conducive to having like a one A and a one B necessary. Like, no, you know, Phoenix has kind of gotten away with, oh, we have Booker and Chris Paul. Toronto plays with this super egalitarian share the fl- uh, share the ball kind of a thing. And that's working. But the Wolves don't play like that. No, no, they don't. And and honestly, I mean, for better, or for worse, Gobert does complicate things. I mean, it's not, I don't think it's his fault. You know, everybody no. knows what his skill set is. You got to ski, you got to find ways to, to make it work. And obviously Utah did that, but it does make it difficult. Like Edwards is not wrong when you have a seven, two guy, you know, kind of standing in the lane at all times, it's definitely harder to drive that, that, that applies to pick up hoops for Rotowire. Yeah, it did. You know, when, when Shannon McEwen's in the lane, it, it's tougher to get in there. 
That's true. All right. Um, one more, one more team. Do you want to, do you want to talk, uh, Philly, Golden State or Miami? Um, I don't, I mean, Philly, I, what do you think? I, I, I want to go between their Philly or Golden State. So I'll let you. Philly to me is less interesting just because Harden's on the shelf and it is what it is until he's back. Um, I guess with Golden State, Miami, is, is there anything you're seeing that has directly, led to these slow starts. I mean, with Golden State, it doesn't really seem like they're all that worried about it. Like Steph is playing phenomenal basketball. He had 47 last night. You know, the defense has just kind of been lazy. Uh, the fact that they're already like resting some of their core guys uh, on back-to-backs, like to me, that doesn't tell me that they're overly worried about chasing wins in the regular season. But Miami may be a little more surprising just because they're always so solid in the regular season, but four and seven for the Miami Heat. Uh, you know, a team that admittedly, They've done a good job of kind of developing guys into okay rotation players, but there's not not a ton of reliable depth on this team. No, I'll say my quick point on the Warriors is that their bench is horrible. Their bench is really, really bad. Yeah. And like you might, we mentioned earlier, Wiseman got benched. Um, his on-off court is minus 27 uh, per 100 possessions when he's on the court. That is not good. Uh, Jordan Poole. Minus 31 points per 100 possessions when he's on the court. I think some of that is him being roped in with the bench unit, but um, it's just it's just the bench. They're playing awful, um, and they lost a lot of depth, so we'll see how that pans out. But the starters are playing well. Yeah, for Miami, um, you know, Butler missed a couple games, but that wasn't too uh, that wasn't too critical or anything. I um, they just yeah, they're they're a little. I don't love their depth. Like, like you mentioned, they've developed Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent into like, these guys are passable. Duncan Robinson, again, still cold, like still not, cannot get more than 15 minutes a game consistently. Yeah. He's been in a year and a half slump at this point. He has, he bleeds points on defense. His three ball is at this point is just not elite. It's just, it's very good, but it's not elite. And that's, that's a problem. Um, I haven't, I haven't dug too deep in sort of like their strength of schedule at this point. Um, you know, I think I, they're a team built for the playoffs though, right? Mm. Yeah, they're a little shallow. Their top guys are all really experienced. Butler, great two-way player. Adebayo, great two-way player. I can understand that. They go after a little bit of a slow start. because uh, Especially because they're a little bit of an older team too, right? With Butler and, and Lowry. Although Butler's playing really well. Yeah, Butler's playing well. I mean, Adebayo has just been... Really hit or miss. Uh, I think he's just going to end up kind of being the same guy as the last couple of years. I don't really see him taking that big step forward that we thought would be possible after that run to the finals. Hero's been good. Um, you know, Lowry's been very up and down for them. But I, I mean, is it possible that they just like really, really miss PJ Tucker and what he brought them defensively? I mean, that, I, it yeah. seems too simple. But you know, all of a sudden you take him away and you're starting guys that you don't really feel comfortable starting. Like when we when we go in and confirm their lineups every night, I'm like, really, this is a lineup, okay. Yeah, I think that's part of it too. If you compare, you know, their defense last, their defense this year is giving up uh, about two more points per 100 possessions, and their offense is three points worse. And I think some of that may be, you know, they were always able to kind of kick it to PJ Tucker in the corner, and he'd shoot it, and he's one, he'd be one of the best three point corner shooters in the NBA. Um, so he he might, you know, Tucker himself, he's not exactly like a three point swing on his own. Um, it doesn't feel like, you know, if PJ Tucker was out, they, the, 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 the odds makers wouldn't like shift the lines of a game by three, but over the course of a season, yeah, I think it matters, especially cause you replaced him with, you know, they're playing a lot of small guys, right? Like they don't really have forwards on the team. I think that's a problem. Like they yeah. have bam, but Lowry's a guard. Uh, I consider Butler, gar- Butler sort of like a guard forward, but it's a lot of Struess, like 32 minutes a game for Max Struess. Hero's not a great defender or anything, can get bullied. Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent are both guards. Duncan Robinson, he's tall, but he's he's effectively a guard. Mm-hmm. And after that, you're getting into like the Deadman Jovic tier. And those guys just, those guys cannot be swinging for your season. All right, we'll end on this. So in the Western Conference, like who are you most comfortable betting to win the title right now? The Clippers, to me, inexplicably still at plus 650. Warriors 7-1. to one. Suns 10 to one. You got the Grizzlies and the Nuggets at 16 to one. You got the Mavericks at 18 to one. I just, I don't really love any of those. Like, I, I don't know, like the Warriors have, are kind of my team in the West this year. I still think that's the team I would bet on. I'm not, I'm not ready to put faith back in the Suns. We'll see how they do without Cam Johnson. You talk about another team 
that's really shallow. And to me, I, I'm still not ready to like the Grizzlies, Nuggets, Mavericks are are kind of their own tier to me. And I I still I have a hard time picturing any of those teams being good enough to win the title. But I don't know, like if the Suns, you know, kind of do what they did last year, if the Warriors actually are a significantly worse team than last year, and if Kawhi's not healthy, to me that really does open things up for that that third tier of teams. Uh, you know, talking Memphis, Denver, Dallas. Yeah, I like I mentioned, I have concerns about Golden State's bench, but it's hard for me to say they don't deserve to be the favorite, which they are, plus 350. Uh, that Clippers line, or I'm sorry, I'm looking at Western Conference title odds, but um, same thing, basically. Um, yeah, I don't know how you trust the Clippers at this point. Um, that feels like, you know, that the Brooklyn line haven't moved as much as they deserve to. Uh, the Suns, I just, the... The Aiden situation, it just makes me nervous, but they're playing really well right now. I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to bet it. You know, if I, I, I try to imagine, you know, I, I'm sitting in my apartment watching the NBA finals and it's like the Suns have won the finals. Like, I can't imagine what would have led to that happening. I mean, I guess the West is is weak, but. I would bet the Eastern Conference to win. You could, you could find that at most books. Uh, I feel, I feel pretty good about that. I mean, you're not going to get great odds on it, but like, you know, any of these teams that we're talking about, it's like, it's one thing to make the finals, but then, you know, okay, here's your reward. You got to get through the Bucks or the Celtics or whoever it might be. Maybe it is the Nets at 12 to one, which is just preposterous. I'm I'm still partial to the Nuggets. I, okay. You know, like, I, I just think they have, I think they have more talent than everybody. Like they have, I think they have more talent than the Grizzlies um, and the Mavericks and the Pelicans, even though the Pelicans, Pelicans are close if everyone stays healthy. You know what I mean? Yeah. They have a lot. The Pelicans have a really high ceiling. But to me, the Nuggets with Jokic, Jamal Murray. I mean, Jamal Murray's playoff history is excellent. Right. And, you know, I think a lot of it, unfortunately, you're kind of banking on Michael Porter Jr., but they did well without him last year. I I, I think they have a lot of potential. Um, so they're a team, too. I like, you know, you can bet them to win the West at plus 850. I don't mind that. I think that's nice. Yeah, I think if we're talking value, I would. I'm looking at title odds. I would much rather bet the Nuggets at 16 to one than I would bet the Clippers at seven to one, essentially, oh or even yeah. the Warriors at seven to one. Like value wise, I think that is huge. There's not a big gap between those teams right now, and maybe as the season goes along, there will be. Uh, but like you know, in a Clippers Nuggets series, the Nuggets have the best player. You know, a healthy Kawhi versus Jokic. Yeah, that's debatable. But I don't. We don't know if we're going to see that version of Kawhi and. You know, Jamal Murray, excellent playoff player. Paul George, not a great playoff player. Like, I, I just, I, I don't get the love for this for the Clippers. Like, I feel like every team in the West, like nobody should be below 10 to 1. I, I don't know how you could feel that confident. Maybe the Warriors, but everybody should be somewhere between like 10 and 30 to 1. I agree. And, you know, I hate, I hate to, I feel like I'm writing off the Mavericks. You know, I, I just, I, I Doncic is amazing. Like, we, we, we talked about it earlier in the podcast. Everyone mm-hmm. knows it. But for some reason, I just cannot, I just can't get there with them. It, I, it, it's you know, the Christian Woods, Spencer Dinwiddie being like the number two A yeah, and two B options. And they play, listen, the team, I mean, the team plays coherently. I I have to, I have to tip my cap to Jason Kidd, apparently turned himself into a good coach. Yeah. Kidd, Kidd um, and Billups, both kind of flipping the narrative. Yep. Yep. But I, Maybe maybe Doncic gets there and has a, an otherworldly performance throughout an entire playoffs. I can again, I can completely see that happening. I think he's almost impossible to guard at this point, but um, it's just the talent level concerns me. Yeah, I you know there's all this like Anthony Davis talk. I don't know how real that actually is, but like I wish Dallas could find a way to get Davis. Like that would be oh, man, yeah, that would be so much fun. I they, I mean, there's it really doesn't make sense for either team. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I like I, Doncic is fully capable at this point of going like, you know, 2007 LeBron and just pulling that team all the way to the finals. But I, th- I think, you know, you, you have a one man team running into the bucks at the Celtics. It's just not going to end well. So yeah, if you want to bet, if you want to bet Mavs to, to win the West, you can talk me into that as of right now, as currently constructed, I, I don't know if I'd bet them to win the title. Um, all right, man, we got to go. Uh, like I said, no games tonight. So we'll kind of be able to, you know, kick back and, and relax a little bit before everything picks back up on Wednesday. Uh, we're going to have Brendan Kravitz, uh, Orlando Magic Radio guy does some work for us over at Rotowire. He's going to be on the pod on Thursday, and then you'll be back with Ken and Shannon as usual on Friday. The headlines remind us daily 
The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com